0: Good day everyone. Welcome to the CSU Relentless Gardener podcast. I am Colorado State University Area Specialist in Horticulture, Linda Langelo, and uh, and joining me today is Colorado Master Gardener Bill Swanson from Douglas County. Now let's get to the heart of it where we explore the horticulture topic of vertical gardening. Hello Bill.
1: Hello Linda, how are you today?
0: Good, great. Glad you could join me today.
1: Yep, I'm glad to be here. It's a topic I love to talk about.
0: Well, great, great. So what was your initial interest in vertical gardening?
1: Um, I wanted to expand the production capability of my uh, home garden. So when I lived in Virginia, I decided, you know, rather than have the whole garden tilled up, I would go with small beds and go vertical
0: and it's it's more intensive isn't it
1: yeah you get way way more yield out of uh, out of your garden and it's a lot less work there's a lot less weeding
0: i'll bet there is things shading other things out that can can complement each other right yes. yes yes and actually virginia i'm very familiar with virginia i lived in pennsylvania for a long time so you know virginia you can just grow just about anything
1: Um, you could, but we had different pests in Virginia than you have here.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: It was a challenge with the pests.
0: So explain to the audience how things are spaced in a vertical garden.
1: Um, things are spaced in rows. Um, the rows are usually, um, laid out with about, uh, three and a half feet apart between the rows in the garden and the bed is only 18 inches wide. So um, it's a narrow bed. And when you start to plant in the narrow bed, um, you can put things a lot closer because they're growing up rather than out.
0: And so the space between the rows, do you use that as walking space or do you walk around the bed?
1: Um, It's walking space. But like if you have eight or 10 rows, then you're going to have that space between each of the rows. Uh, If you don't do that, it becomes a jungle because everything is growing up and out from the vertical stuff. So, you know, tomatoes uh, and cucumbers can stick out 18 to 20 inches uh, from the row.
0: So do you put down any uh, mulch to walk on or stepping stones so you're not compacting the space between the rows or you don't worry about that?
1: Um, You really, the space between the rows, you're better off if it's compacted because you're not going to grow anything in there. And when it's compacted, you don't have to weed it. So that's a a benefit.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Didn't think of that one. (laughs) Great idea. So give us some specifics uh, that you've used as far as spacing of different crops, such as like cucumbers versus lettuce.
1: Um, lettuce you can do in what's called uh, an alternate, a double alternate row. So on each side of the 18-inch bed, you can plant a row of lettuce and you alternate them so that they're not directly across from each other. They're staggered. And so that's what you can do with lettuce. You can't do that with tomatoes or cucumbers or melons or squash because it gets too dense. And so you only grow on one side. Uh, Tomato plants only have to be nine inches apart.
0: Here's a thought. Do you practice uh, succession planting when you do vertical gardening?
1: Um, You can to whatever extent you can do it. But with most home gardens, it's a small area so you end up planting maybe not in the exact same area but adjacent to it but it's not like a farm you can't you you can't uh, let something go fallow for two or three years
0: right right so what are some of the pros to vertical gardening and some of the cons to vertical gardening
1: um the pros are it's easier pruning um i don't know about you but i'm 71 years old now and and bending over to weed the garden is a problem and picking fruit and everything else um so when it's vertical and the the tomatoes are right up in front of you you just reach out and and pick the tomatoes it's the same way with melons cucumbers squash um it's it's a lot easier uh, it's a lot easier feeding the garden too because you've only got a little 18 inch row, and uh, so it uses less feed. You're you're not feeding a whole area and then growing only in one small space. Um, you also get better air circulation because the stuff is growing up, but you've got to remember to uh, prune the plants to allow them to, uh, to get air circulation. The first year I put tomatoes in vertical gardening, I decided, you know, everything I've read said, you've got to prune, but, I wanted as many tomatoes as I could get. Well, I let it grow for about three weeks, four weeks, and it was so thick you couldn't see anything. So I had to go back after the fact and prune it out to allow, uh, to allow for that. The same way with the cucumbers. Um, you've got to prune the cucumber vines um, to uh, get better air circulation and less diseases.
0: Would you recommend that folks would do that as a weekly task?
1: Um, yeah, you can do it. You can get away doing it weekly. Um, with with some of the things, you need to do it. You know, every couple of days. Uh, for like squash, growing cantaloupe vertically, um, you actually have to let a cantaloupe start to form, and then the trick the trick that I use is I have a wire bracket that goes onto the the uh baling twine that goes up to my support and then I take a knee high stocking and as soon as the melon forms you put it in the stocking and tie it to the metal bracket uh cantaloupe uh, when they're ripe they slip and so if you don't support cantaloupe um when it's ripe it's going to fall to the ground and break open so that way you support it. The other thing you have to do is cantaloupe is a tenacious viner. It just wants to take over the world. And so after you get the first uh, first fruit formed, you go cut the vine off two inches past where the fruit formed, and that'll stop that vine and make the melon bigger. But you have to keep up at that with, with the melons and the cucumbers.
0: Well, if you have such a small space, it doesn't sound like a huge task.
1: Oh, it's not bad. It's not bad at all.
0: So how do you uh, fertilize your crops or do you just have soil that's got a lot of organic matter in it?
1: Um, You can treat it just like any other garden. You can fertilize um, weekly with small amounts and or you can fertilize with bigger amounts once once or twice a year. Um, either way you do it, you're using less because you only have the 18-inch wide row.
0: Right, right. And so do you try and extend the season with this vertical garden into as late as you can get with fall, or do you stop earlier?
1: Oh, no, I let it go as long as I can let it go. Usually... Usually I can keep tomato plants alive here in Colorado. I live in Castle Rock at at, uh, 6,500 feet. I can usually keep the tomato plants alive until mid-October, unless it's it's really cold. Um, Three years ago, that meant on Labor Day, I had to go out, cover everything with plastic, and actually put a heater in there because we were down to 20 degrees the one night but uh, all all the plants stayed alive.
0: Well, that's fantastic, I think.
1: (laughs) Yep. I also have, uh, I learned a lesson right after I moved to Colorado in 2017. I moved in 16, but in 17, I had my first garden and um, I had tomato plants that were just doing fabulous and then came the hail and it took out everything, cucumbers, the tomatoes, they were just all decimated. Um, So I ended up um, modifying uh, my raised bed vertical garden. And I put in hoops that go from the top of the T-frame down to the ground. And then I use um, baseball, I use a a hail net that'll stop baseball hail. Uh, You can buy it on the internet. It's designed for orchards. So they put it over a whole orchard. And um, I have it set up so that it's a quick clip onto the fence and then a quick clip onto the ground with supports to keep it away from the plants. And I can put it on my, I have a 30, 35 foot garden and uh, one row against the fence, but it's 35 feet long. And I can put the hail net up in about six or seven minutes.
0: Well, that's fabulous. So with me, I have hail screen that's metal. And I have uh, squares that are smaller, uh-huh. and so I just leave it. Ah, and so, but it's it's more expensive. So, how does your hail screen? Can that uh, tolerate like uh, more than one hailstorm? If it's oh, a... it'll
1: handle. I've I put the the hail net I purchased is purchased in two thousand seventeen, and I'm using the same net. It's a it's a stretchy woven, open material, Um, so maybe a little bit smaller than pea-sized hail might go through it, but anything bigger than that, it stops, and uh, because it's stretchy, it'll take baseball-sized hail, and it bounces off of it.
0: Oh, that's a nice feeling, isn't it? (laughs) It is. (laughs) (laughs) So, I, I get the idea that you don't have to put this really taut on there, you know, it, it, it can be fairly loose and still do what it needs to do
1: yeah it can be fairly loose i i have hoops that i've created to keep it away from the plants so that so that even if i get big strong hail hits they never get to the plants
0: so basically with your vertical garden you could you could almost have a raised bed that's like three or four feet off the ground it just it doesn't have to be a foot off the ground
1: That's correct. You could put it in raised beds. The raised beds that I use just to get out of Colorado soil are um, two feet wide and eight feet long. Each of them, I have four of them. So I guess it's a 32-foot garden. Um, And I grow in the back. I grow all of the stuff vertical, uh, and that's sort of against the fence, but it's it's on what's called T-posts. And, um, I use baling twine to go up to the post and with tomatoes and cucumbers, every couple of days, you just go out and you wrap the vine right around the string and you wrap it around, uh, clockwise and you don't even have to tie it. it, it the vines themselves will not slip down the twine once you start wrapping it, but you've got to keep at it, keep pruning and wrapping. And, uh, it really ups the output. Uh, the first year that I put in a ten-foot row of uh, cucumbers in Virginia, um, I ended up with fifty-six quarts of pickles out of that ten-foot row, and that didn't include the cucumbers that I gave away. I mean, so you do get a you get get a lot of yield compared to trying to grow cucumbers on the ground because they're a tenacious viner and they'll take up a 10 foot square area and um i was using a 10 foot square area it was just uh, 10 foot wide six or seven feet tall and and you know it it doesn't get in your way and picking cucumbers is a breeze you just go out and snip them right off of the right off the vine
0: well that's great and so this is great for people that don't have a lot of space.
1: Yes, yes. If you don't have a lot of space, you can do it. That's why I started. I started doing it 20 twenty-some odd years ago, um, in Virginia, uh, Northern Virginia, and I was just using the fence, put strings or trellis up to the fence, and grow up. And so you can you can get a lot more yield out of a lot less space.
0: So compared to Virginia, what was your yield like in Colorado for something like cucumbers?
1: Um, well, I kind of cheated when I moved to Colorado because I knew that the soil where I'm living um, is not good for growing. It's, it's an acid or it's a alkaline clay. Um, and so it really would limit the output that i would get so when i put the raised beds in um the raised beds are dug down three and a half feet and then it was replaced with real soil so you know i'm getting the same yield here that i was in virginia the only difference is i have about maybe two to two and a half months less growing season so I get less yield that way, but you know, I, I still get more cucumbers and tomatoes than I can eat.
0: Well, that's wonderful. So tell the audience about your watering system. How does somebody go about setting that up?
1: Um, I have it set up so that it's on my sprinkler system, but off of the sprinkler system, I have a, a Toro commercial drip irrigation tubes uh, and they're laid in the bed in three different rows so um it gets watered usually once a day early in the morning so it's soaked down into the ground uh by the time the the sun really starts to hit it and um so it works great it's it's kind of like no maintenance it waters and i pick vegetables
0: (laughs) that sounds like a good deal (laughs) yeah so how much, if you can remember or give folks a kind of a close estimate, how much did you spend on on building and putting together your vertical gardening?
1: Um, I use T-posts and you can Google that to see how to make them. Uh, they tell you to make them out of four by four lumber. Uh, I don't do that. I used landscaping timbers. So instead of spending fifteen dollars a four by four, I spent um, you know three four dollars on the landscaping timber. Um, I put the landscaping timbers in this garden uh, when I when I built the garden in in seventeen, and they're still standing. The nice thing about Colorado is the wood doesn't tend to rot when you put it in the ground. It's just too dry, even with the irrigation, and so. You know, you've got um, about one and a half landscaping timbers for each T-frame. I have two T-frames in uh, at each end of my eight-foot bed. And then in between, I use, uh, on the top of the T-frame, I use three-quarter inch electrical conduit. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I decided when I built these in Virginia that, you know, they're only eight feet apart. I can get electrical conduit or uh, yeah, I can get electrical conduit that was 10 feet. So I decided to use half inch instead of three quarter inch. Um, I had to go out in the middle of the season and put a wood support in the middle of the half inch uh, conduit because it was bowed down almost 10, 12 inches from the weight of the tomatoes on the on the electrical conduit so three-quarters electrical conduit doesn't bend and it does a great job so you know from that perspective you know I might have 20 bucks in the support for each of the eight foot beds um and the irrigation is is nominal it's not expensive um the only the most expensive part of the irrigation was the low pressure um, regulator because the, the pipes that I put down needed low rec, low pressure no more than 15 to 20 pounds and, and I've got 50 pounds in my water system so I had to put a pressure reducer uh, for the irrigation um, and that's also relatively expensive inexpensive you can also use drip irrigation if you want you can just use spaghetti tubes and, and emitters and move them to where the plants are, you know, and, and, and and grow that way. I also take the front of my bed and I put uh, on the front of my beds. um, I put zucchini and, and plants that can't be grown vertically. So they'll grow out of the, out over the, uh, the slightly raised bed.
0: So in the fall, you just, Dismantle and clean up all the plant material. And do you add any new soil in or. Uh,
1: In the fall, I just clean up the old plant debris, Uh, the T frames and the strings stay up. They never come down. If you one of the things that you have to keep in mind, if you expect that to happen, is you have to go out and invest in real baling twine the stuff that they're making the big round hay bales out of you know it's probably fifteen dollars for a thousand feet of it you can buy it in any of the at the feed mills or tractor supply um and if you use that heavy stuff um I put strings up and they've been up since i moved in so they've they've lasted five years uh, the first time I did it, instead of using T frames, I used bamboo and and I had um, jute twine. Yeah, that didn't last about three months, and it's not strong. So it's it's worth getting the the commercial baling twine and and using that for your supports.
0: Well, that's that's good information for folks to know. You know, things are expensive enough that we don't have to make the mistake the first time. So yeah,
1: exactly.
0: People can learn from you. And, uh, so do you start any of your transplants from, you know, indoors before you, you, like Do you start your tomatoes or your peppers or your eggplant? If you, if you do eggplant, do you start it in, indoors first or,
1: um, I do start indoors, but um, because of the growing season here, the first year I moved in, I started in February, like I always did. Well, the plants were way too big by the first of June when they were ready to go into the ground. So now I I start in mid-March. Um, I do one other thing unique is I start them in the house. I let them get one set of true leaves and then I have a hot frame that's out in my backyard. Uh, the hot frame is four foot wide, uh, three feet deep, and um, about maybe 35 inches wide. Um, and I put an electric heater in. It. So, you know, the electric heater runs when needed and it, it costs pennies a day to run. Um, I also use a material on that hot frame that's called Solex, which is an insulated greenhouse wall. Uh, so the whole greenhouse is made out of Solex. It's got a an R value of like two something. So it's insulating. And then I have a greenhouse hydraulic uh, opener on the lid. So as the sun comes out and it starts to warm up, the heater shuts off and the lid opens up and lets in fresh air and so i grow in i grow in that from the time they have two leaves until the time they have uh, until the time that uh, i'm ready to put them in the ground i also have it set up it's on my irrigation so around the beginning of may when i turn my irrigation on i don't even have to go water the the hot frame it's it's just by itself Up until that point, I have to water because I have to worry about everything freezing the rest of the irrigation system.
0: Exactly, yes. Yeah, well, you sound like you have everything set up just the way you want it.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got spoiled in Virginia. I had a a lean-to greenhouse that was attached to my shed. It was nine feet wide and 27 feet long. And so I grew tomatoes, and vegetables all winter long, and ate tomatoes all winter, uh, ate strawberries all winter. Um, you know the the only problem with the strawberries, you had to go out with an artist brush, and you had to you know pollinate the pollinate the strawberry blossoms. But we got strawberries all winter long out of the greenhouse. Uh, when I moved here to Colorado, it's like yeah, I don't have a big enough lot to put in that size of a greenhouse, so went back to a hot frame.
0: Oh, that's all right. That's okay. It sounds like you're doing a wonderful job with it. Thank you. And I don't know if you've ever tried um, to do, like, compost and bury it into uh, a raised bed so the compost, as it's breaking down, heats the soil... And goes some of it goes out into the atmosphere. Have you ever tried those types of hot bed, they call it hot beds?
1: Yeah, when I lived in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, which was about the same climate as here, um, I actually lived next to a dairy farm. It was you know, a block away. And so my hot frame uh, or my hotbed in in the Poconos, I would dig down 18 to 20 inches below where the hot frame was going to be. I'd go to the field, I'd pick up green manure, put it down in the bottom of the hotbed, cover it with two or three inches of soil, and I didn't need a heater. But, you know, I live in a residential development here, and <laughs> that it's just too much work to do that here. But well, it works great. Yeah,
0: they, they might not like that too much. No. no. <laughs>
1: they probably wouldn't.
0: Well... Is there anything else you think people should know about vertical gardening? It sounds easy and, you know, is you have a process and it it's, it sounds like, you know, it's a smaller area, easier work. It's as long as you keep up with the simple tasks every week. It sounds like you're going to have a wonderful garden.
1: Oh, uh, that's it. You've you've got to keep the feed up so that you you have decent soil, uh, lots of nutrients, um, and then you've got to prune it. If you don't prune it, uh, you're not going to get any yield out of it. It's just so dense that that the sun can't get in and and ripen the fruit. Um, so you've got to prune it once a week. You've got to keep it watered, keep it fertilized, um, and uh, and then just enjoy the yield. But the pruning is the is the biggest part the pruning and the training of the vines you know where you're you're actually training the vines up the strings um to give you an idea of my the strings that i have go, that go from the ground level um up to the uh top of the six foot t frames um usually i have at least four or five of the tomato plants that by the beginning of September, they're up at the six foot level and they're actually growing across the top of the pipe. I mean, so, you know, they'll it'll really grow and, and the yield's unbelievable. Tomatoes, if you plant a, a 30 foot row of tomatoes spaced at uh, nine inches apart, which you can't do in a normal garden, but you can do in a raised bed garden. Um, you're looking at getting about six hundred pounds of tomatoes out of that thirty foot row oh my open so, your
0: open your own private farmers' market,
1: oh yeah, yeah, now I put in usually about eight feet of tomatoes and I get enough to can tomato sauce um and and lots of other things out of the tomatoes so you know it 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 makes it really nice
0: well, that's wonderful. Well, Bill, I want to thank you today for joining me. You're welcome. And a thank you to the audience for listening. Tune in next time when we get to the heart of the matter on another horticultural topic.